It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Juan, I'm so damn proud of you, okay? 60-minute game all the way to the end. Everybody contributing, doing your job, and that's what it takes in December football. The game ball is going to go to... The offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. Proud as hell of you, okay? Dex. Let's keep feeling this feeling, man. Let's go. Johnson three. One, two, three. The, the Giants have made football fun, even though they're essentially done. I didn't mean that to rhyme. It kind of did. That was accidental. No accident about Tommy DeVito, who lives... 10 minutes from the stadium with his parents, the whole Tommy Cutlets thing, the whole, the whole, I'm still, I'm, I'm 100%. I'm like, it's not hundred percent Italian, but it's like 99.8% Italian. I still, it's just like, cause it can be like, what's for this. This is in my household growing up. This was more of like, what is wrong with you? It wasn't really a good thing. <laughs> it's like, I try to preach to this kid to not urinate in the garbage can because he doesn't want to go upstairs and use the toilet like a normal person because he's too excited to watch cartoons on Sunday morning. That's the kind oh, of gesture that it, it, it connotes in my household. But it's become That's a thing, the, the whole thing Jersey Italian thing. Television. I've already ta- I've told the story before. It just shows you don't listen to the program. When I was five it years doesn't old. doesn't matter. And I'd get up. <laughs> Can I tell you? Can I tell you? Just so so you can enjoy the full story. When I was five years old and I woke up on Saturday morning and I was very excited to get downstairs and watch cartoons because kids back in those days, you didn't have a little rectangle that you carried around everywhere you went that showed you your favorite show whenever you wanted to watch it. You had to actually be in front of the TV at the appointed time on the appointed day to watch the three-hour block of cartoons. Otherwise, you don't see them. You don't see them at all. There's never cartoons on TV except for like fleeting moments. If a movie didn't fill the, fill the full two hours, they'd throw in a Bugs Bunny cartoon and it was like Christmas in the middle of a Tuesday afternoon. But I digress. I, I was so excited 
to come. Boy, we haven't heard the piano music in a while. I love the piano yeah. music. Uh-huh. I was so excited to go watch the cartoons, I would forget to empty my bladder before I ran my little five-year-old ass downstairs. And so I wouldn't miss any of the cartoons. And because I was too lazy to go back upstairs, I decided to pee in the garbage can. And I did that a few Saturdays until my mom made the comment, I wonder why this garbage is so wet. And the logic in my brain, you know, the, the synapses that were still forming, it's like, probably shouldn't do that anymore. And that was when I stopped peeing in the garbage can. And as far as I know, I haven't done it since then, although it's possible in a certain state of inebriation at some point over the last 53 years I have. I can't confirm or deny that. All right. So we all need boy, to know that was a, that's a long that's a long way from this. But what's wrong? What's what's wrong with this kid? He, 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 anyway, uh, we know what's right with Tommy DeVito. He's getting it done. He's not jeopardizing Daniel Jones job. He's a fully guaranteed contract next year, but he's taking Tyrod Taylor's job. That's clear. Yeah. Brian Dayball says yeah. it every week. Tommy DeVito's earned the right to keep playing. He can run. He can throw. He's got that moxie, as Coach Garrett likes to call it. He does. There's a confidence to it. It's fun. It's fun. This is a Giants team that has taken a lost season and made it fun. Last night was fun. There's no reason to go to that game. There's no reason to get excited about it. I mean, they're not mathematically eliminated, but come on. They made it fun last night, and they took out a team that had found itself in the playoff hunt. They were in the seventh spot going into that game, and the Giants took them out with that last-second field goal after all sorts of weird stuff. We'll break it all down. Weird turn of events late in the game when it felt like the Giants are firmly in control and then all of a sudden they're not and the Packers are and the Giants pulled it off that was just fun that was the more fun both games were great but to me that was the more fun one to watch well yeah I mean I guess you could say that I don't know I mean they were both fun to watch in their own way I guess but I, I just really love the way that one's got to be more fun that. than the other more more okay. fun both fun more fun okay I, it could be a tie right. I guess Yes, it could. Ties aren't fun. For, for me, well, it's like kissing your sister, which I don't, I don't know anything about. I don't have a sister. Anyway, uh, I think that Tommy DeVito played well. You know, I, I love the way he played on that last drive. The ball placement to Robinson on that one throw was outstanding. You really can't throw that ball much better than that because it allowed him the opportunity to not just catch it, but catch it and run. And when you have those kinds of things happen, that's what then sets up the game-winning field goal. So I I think that there are good things to say about Tommy DeVito. You know, he's playing within himself. He's playing well within the structure of the offense. And then when he has to, like he does right here, he gets out of structure and makes a dime throw to the back right corner of the end zone. That's a very, very tough throw to make. So I just like the way he's playing. I think that the Giants have some good things to feel about themselves now. And also, they're not completely out of it. You know, if they keep winning, if they somehow can beat the Eagles, because they play the Eagles twice in the span of three weeks coming up here, then we might still be talking about the Giants, you know, going into week 18. But I I don't know that that's going to happen. However, stranger things have happened in the NFL. So right now, yeah, let's feel good about Tommy Cutlets. Let's feel good about what he's putting out there on the field because he's helping the Giants win. I mean, five and eight doesn't get you on the graphic yet for in the hunt. But if you keep winning, you play your way onto the graphic and then you play your way into postseason eligibility. But you're right. Right. Along the way, they're going to have to sweep the Eagles, not just win one of those. They've got no margin for error at five and eight. Because eight and right. nine isn't going to get you in. Nine and eight gets you a chance. 
that means you got to win the next four. But you know what? The Bears are in that boat too. They're feeling mm-hmm. good about themselves. They got to win yeah. the next four. So, but but it makes it fun. The NFL, and this goes back to Pete Rozelle's vision for what the game should be. When the Steelers and the Dolphins and the Raiders and the Cowboys ruled the league and everybody else was just like, why are we even here? Pete Rozelle wanted parity. He wanted as many teams to be alive for as long as possible into the season. And that's the key. You know, I I say this from time to time. You may have heard it before, but you're going to hear it again. The owners who say, we just want to win the Super Bowl, that's all we want to do. Okay, what they really want to do is be relevant after Thanksgiving. If you're relevant into December, if your team is still in it, if your team is still interesting, your stadium is full. And people say to me, well, if the tickets are sold out, why do they care if the stadium's half empty? Because they got other stuff to sell. High margin items like $10 popcorn. They got a lot of stuff they got to move. And they got a lot of people who are going to be there working anyway. They're paying them to be there. They may as well be doing something other than standing around saying, gee, where's everybody today? So they want the stadiums to be full. And you got to coax people out of their homes in the Northeast in December and January. You got to give them extra reason to show up for those games. The more teams that are fun and interesting and still kind of floating around and hanging around, and that's where we are this year. There's, there's only a small handful of teams right now that you look at and say, there's no reason to go to the game. Panthers, Patriots, Cardinals, Commanders. They're the ones who are done. Everybody else, yeah. you can still convince yourself this could be fun. This could be interesting. And last night's games, underscore. You know, as, as people are trying to figure out the week before Christmas, I'm going to this uh, Sunday, I don't really want to go to this game. I don't really want to Hey, look at what happened Monday night. Anything can happen. We could have fun. That's what it's all about. That's why it's here. That's why people pay attention to it. It has nothing to do with their lives other than it provides a diversion from the things in their life that aren't fun. And this is fun. And last night was fun. And what made it almost not fun for the Giants, and this was odd, Saquon Barkley, with that run that he ripped off late in the fourth quarter, when the Giants are trying to put the nail on the coffin for the Green Bay Packers, and it just felt like it's happening. There goes Saquon. And like, this is it. You know, you're up five, field goal or a touchdown, touchdown ends it. And he falls down. The ball comes out. And everybody's like, what in the world's going on? And this is why you got to keep chasing. You got to keep after the ball. Don't assume the play's over. He hit the ground without being touched. Now, he had been tripped up, but he regathered himself before he tripped and fell. I I think you could have made the argument that it all goes back to that effort to trip him. But, you know, four or five steps, like at what point have you taken enough steps that you're no longer down by contact if you fall? He wasn't down by contact. He hit the ground. The ground can cause the fumble if you haven't been touched. He didn't give himself up. Ball was out. It was a good call. And Packers take full advantage of it, take the lead. And and then the Giants do that. It's just amazing. The momentum swings late in that game. The Giants get the ball back, and Tommy DeVito leads them down for the game-winning field goal that that I wanted to see on my main TV, but I saw it at the corner of my, my other TV. But that's 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 yeah, settled we, business. We, we covered that. The business at hand. Yes. The yeah. Giants. The Giants pull it off. They get to five and eight, and it really, really throws a wrench into what the Packers were trying to do. It, it absolutely does. It, it certainly should sting for the Packers because hey, they did, they just didn't play well as I thought they would, you know, I mean, it was early on. There was, I think on the first series, it was third, three, third, and four. And Matt LaFleur calls, you know, a pretty quick out on the left side. And Jordan Love just airmails it. And it's not the type of thing that Jordan Love had been doing 
over the last three games. Jordan Love had been playing, I thought, elite football over the last few games. And in this one, he just wasn't quite there, you know, whether it was running it as it was here on third and two and you get that fumble. I mean, like, that's just not the kind of football that he's been playing, you know, throwing it. He wasn't as accurate as he has been. You know, until later on in the game, he got things going. And, you know, you give him credit because the Packers were able to take the lead late. But, you know, earlier on, just stuff like this, where I don't know if he didn't read the safety. I don't know if the route wasn't correct by the receiver, but it ends up as an interception. And that's just not the type of thing that we've been seeing lately from Jordan Love. You know, so right now, you know, the Packers are really in the driver's seat for one of those wild card spots. And now at six and seven, things are going to get a little bit jumbled. They're going to get a little bit different. You know, you might need a little bit of help toward the end there. So they're still at the seventh seed right now. But as you look and you see what is in the hunt, the Rams are coming. The Seahawks are still alive. You know, they've been going through a tough stretch. But even Atlanta and New Orleans, which you're kind of like, I don't really believe in them as contenders. But hey, you have to take care. You have to make sure that you take care of business. Because they are still alive, not just for the division, but also in the wild card race. So this is another one where you don't necessarily think the teams are as good as they are in the AFC and the NFC, but a lot of people are still alive in the NFC. And that loss to the Giants, a conference opponent, could really be something that might determine tiebreakers down the road. One of the things that amazes me about this weekend, you entered it with four teams at six and six in that wild card hunt, the real wild card hunt, not the NFC South teams. I'm leaving them out of it. Well, they weren't even six and six. The, the only one that was six and six was the Falcons and they lost. But you had the Vikings, the Packers, the Rams and the Seahawks all at six and six. And the Vikings score three points. And. The other three teams all lose. And the Vikings, for their three yeah. points, have picked up a one-game lead on the hey. other three teams that were 6-6. Six and six. That is <laughs> nuts when you think about it. Yeah, it is, actually. Yeah, the Twins go to, to Las Vegas and beat the A's, and somehow that still counts for the Minnesota Vikings. And you're beating a 3, three nothing, and you still are able to gain ground in the wild card race. Hey, I mean, look, they all count the same, man. It looks, it looks great in your mother's box score. Doesn't matter how you get there, just get there. So, yeah, the Vikings did do some good things, enough good things, you know, not many good things, but some good things in order to, to win that game. Def- against Las Vegas. Uh, last year, it was all offense and no defense. This year, it's becoming all defense and no offense for the Minnesota yeah. Vikings. It really is a stunning change, especially when your coach is an offensive guru. He just he doesn't have right. his quarterback and he's trying to make chicken salad out of what he has. Giants mm-hmm. making chicken salad out of there or chicken parm, as the case may be, out of their situation with Tommy DeVito. Three straight wins for him. 158 yards passing, but but timely, timely, and clutch throws, creative offense, blending the run in the pass, 17 for 21, high completion percentage. Their offense just did what it needed to do. It was efficient. It wasn't greatest show on earth or turf or whatever, but it ended up being good enough. Let, let's hear a little from, Tom, uh, from Brian Dayball, coach of the Giants, after the game on Tommy DeVito's latest performance. Third game of over 100 quarterback rating. Made good decisions, took care of the ball, used him in a run game. Um, just keep developing him. He's, he's improving, still got stuff to work on. But, you know, like I said, you know, 
two or three times last week. I think he's a, a young player that's you know, doing the right things, um, making the most of his opportunity, earned the right to play today, and he earned the right to play um, the next week. You know, he's kid's done a good job. He has, and he's supplanted Tyrod Taylor, who is eligible to play, but Brian Dayball has made it clear that Tommy DeVito will continue to keep playing three straight wins, and who knows what it means for the future. You know, if he's ever going to be the starter, is he going to be the starter of the Giants one of these days? I don't know. Daniel Jones, mm-hmm. still contractual commitment for next year. The story isn't nearly as good if he's not playing for the Giants. The story, if he ends That's up true. landing the starting job with the Seattle or something. I mean, it's not nearly as good as if it's as it is if it's happening in New Jersey. So it's, it yeah. is kind of a fun story. There, there's a, you know, there, there's a. I've been struggling with how to how to address this. It, it's something that makes my son uncomfortable. Well, the whole Italian thing. Uh-huh. Like we're the only group that can still be mocked without anyone being in fear of cancellation. That's just kind of the way the world has evolved over the years. My son, like when they're doing the whole playing the music and doing this on ESPN, it's, it's, this isn't a criticism of ESPN. This is a comment on just kind of like the, where, the way things are right now. There's a line between having fun and making fun. There's a line yeah. between having fun and making fun. There, there's a line okay. between celebrating and mocking. Yes. And at times it feels like this stuff's on the wrong side of the line. You know, when okay. when the Italian accent is the only thing that anyone on SNL can break into. And they did a bit about this last year where they had somebody come up doing out the Italian accent because that's the only one you can do anymore. Like, like, I don't know how this came to be. I don't make the rules. I just try to understand what they are. But there is this thing where it's kind of OK to goof on the Italians. I feel like this whole Tommy DeVito thing straddles the line. The problem is his whole family pulls everyone to the wrong side of the line because they 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 revel in the caricature. That's how, you throw to me? That, <laughs> that's, that's how you throw to but, me. That's how you throw to me. What are you doing? <laughs> what am I'm I just saying. To say to that? I'm just. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say anything. I don't know what to but say. I just felt like I, I felt oh. like as as somebody who as I felt like as somebody who is 98 plus percent Italian. It needs to be said. It's a. It's just a weird <laughs> thing. As an Italian, it's a weird thing. It's like. Are they celebrating us or are they mocking us? And my okay, son that's... kind of last night was like, is it a joke here? Like, you know, the guys on part of my take do it. Are they celebrating or are they kind of mocking a little bit? At times it feels like it's mocking, but there isn't anything yes. we can do about it. There, because for whatever reason, and look, Miles, I, I mean, at the end of the day, there there was today. They they dragged us over from Europe to work in a coal mines. Oh, the streets are lined with gold. The only problem is you don't get to walk on them. You go five thousand feet underground to dig the coal, and you're going to make this steel, and you're going to do all the stuff nobody here wants to do. And there, you know, plenty of groups, as we know, have been discriminated against over the years, and plenty of groups have had it far worse than the Italians have. I understand that, but at the same time, at the you same time, that. there's just this weird lingering vibe. There's the, it's just weird in this day and age. There's this weird lingering vibe that it's just it's confusing to me. And there's a line between celebrating and mocking. That's my point. Yes. It's just strange. There's something strange about it. Okay. Yes. And and, and I hear you on that. And I I and, you know I kind of agree. But you know when 
you got Tommy DeVito doing this as a celebration. I mean, I feel like in that way, it's not mocking, you know, because he's presenting it himself. And because he's doing this I as know, a celebration, and you know, I know. that's we that to me, we we are celebrating with him because he is so public with the the motion, right? And that's his celebration. And so if it's kind of like, and it's not exactly like because there's no uh, other connotation to this, but like when Johnny Manziel would do this, and he's like talking about money. Right. right. Like that was his celebration in th- in much the same way that Tommy DeVito is doing this. But there was no Italian connotation. Right. With the no. Johnny Manziel money thing. But that's the way I right. think of it but, as it, it's going on with Tommy DeVito right now. It's a strange, strange dynamic because some Italians, we as Italians. As in the celebration becomes the basis for what can stray toward mocking. It's, sure. it's, I mean, it's, it's more nuanced than we can digest on a Tuesday morning. And again, and again. It is. I, I, but, 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 it's, but there's just something. There's just something weird there. And my son mentioned it you. last night. It wasn't something I thought of because I've kind of processed and dealt with it, and I don't really care. I don't really care. We, the, it's, it's not, I mean, the Italians left Italy and Sicily because it was horrendous there. They chose to leave. Now, did did. Did the Italians who arrived in the United States get what they thought they were getting? No, but it's still better than what they than what they left. They chose it. We're getting out of here. It's bad, but you know, it's just a lot. It's just there's something there, and, and there's a line. And I just wonder. I wonder if there is a line. I don't know. I'm just raising that question. All right. Enough of the sociological conversation. Let's take a break. When we return, a day after the dust settles in Kansas City, Patrick Mahomes expresses some regret for the way he reacted to that Kadarius Tony call. More PFT Live right after this. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Obviously, you don't want to react that way. I just—I mean, I care, man. I love it. I love—I love this game. I love my teammates, and I, I want to go out there and put everything on the line to win. 
Um, but uh, obviously can't can't do that. I mean, can't be that way towards officials or really anybody in, in life. Um, so I probably regret acting like that. Um, but more than anything, I mean, I, I regret it the way I, I acted towards uh, Josh after the game because he had nothing, nothing to do with it. And, um, so I, I was uh, I, I was still hot and emotional, um, but you can't do that, man. It's not a great example uh, and, uh, for for kids watching the game. So uh, that, that that was more upset about that than I was about me on the sideline. Ton of credit for Patrick Mahomes. You know he stepped out of character on Sunday, and that's okay. We all do from time to time. We're human. We make mistakes. Mm-hmm. He got frustrated. The whole season's been frustrating. It hasn't gone as easily as it has every year of his career. We all have moments. See, the thing is, our worst moments for 99.9% of the population are not played out with millions of people watching under an inherently pressure-packed situation where you have this major disappointment and you're expected to process it all in real time and everything you say and everything you do is captured on camera and then you go speak to the media while you're still in the throes of that emotion. The, the media insists we want to have access to these people, coaches, players, etc., when they're in the throes of the emotion. That's how we get the best information that can be shared with the audience. That's the theory. Well, sometimes you're going to have people say things that they wouldn't say if they had a chance to sleep on it, if they had a chance mm-hmm. to think about it, if they had a chance to, to process their disappointment. And I give Patrick Mahomes credit because how many times have we seen people double down? Yeah. Like, I already said this. I already did this. I already acted this way. I'm not changing. I still believe what I believe. I credit him, Miles, for recognizing that he overreacted, that he was wrong. Kadarius Tony was lined up offside. We've seen angles. We've seen video. And for Patrick Mahomes the next day to express regret, because it really was kind of awkward for him and Josh Allen when he goes out to the middle of the field and he's venting about the call to Josh Allen when you're supposed to say, hey, great job. Maybe we'll see you again down the road. And they go their separate ways. This isn't gripe session. This isn't airing of grievances on Festivus for Josh Allen. A Seinfeld reference that Miles doesn't get, but maybe maybe he's heard it enough times that he has. And Josh Allen's like, Josh Allen's like, what did I, what am, what did I, like, if I'm Josh Allen, like, what did I do? So I I give Patrick Mahomes a lot of credit for acknowledging that that he did overreact, and it wasn't just that play. I think that was just the straw that broke the camel's back on a season of frustration for Patrick Mahomes. Oh, absolutely. Look, this has been a very, very tough season for the Chiefs and specifically for Mahomes because it's like all the things that he's done that have worked in the past are not working. And so, I mean, what I'm about to say is really big time excuse making for Mahomes and I can live with that. But, you know, we ask these guys basically to be psychos, right? What we love about Mahomes is he is a football psycho. He's awesome at it. And it's because he works at it, right? That quarterback show, I think, taught us just how much Mahomes puts into every single day to go out and be great. You know, he's watching film. He's working on his body. He's doing all kinds of different things so that when he goes out there, he not only gives himself the best chance to win, but he's giving his teammates the best chance to win. And so when you have all of the crap that's gone on this year with the Kansas City Chiefs and just having a completely unreliable receiving core, and you've got your wide receiver who is so unreliable that he can't even freaking line upright, and then you have a play that ostensibly is great, and then you get this call 
that you've only that we've heard generally in the NFL two times in 2022 and one time in 2021. Peter King wrote that in his column this week. Like, then you have it this many times this year. And it's like, I've never heard this. What do you mean offside on the offense? And he was offside. I don't, don't get me wrong. He was. But in that moment, given how competitive we know Patrick Mahomes is, it's like, I get it. I get the frustration. I get why he is projecting that onto the official instead of his teammate, which is probably where it belongs. But like, and then to react that way after the game, like that's, it's not what we've seen from Patrick Mahomes ever before in part because it's never been like this. Also because like, it's just, he's not had to deal with this kind of adversity coming from his own team. Right. So I understand it. I give him credit for doing, saying the things that he did in his radio interview yesterday. I, I hope that he texted Allen separately. I'm sure he did. Cause Mahomes is a guy that gets it. He's always gotten it. You know, I I know you've said that before, but he, I think, takes his standing as the face of the National Football League very seriously. And that was very unbecoming of the face of the National Football League. So I'm glad that he said what he said, and hopefully we can all move forward. And hopefully we're not going to see something like that from Mahomes, where it's just, of course, he's a sore loser, but you don't want to be that sore of a loser, you know, when the cameras are all rolling and everything is still on you. I think the fact that that it was so striking is because it was so rare. We've never yeah. seen that from him. And he's had yeah. some bad moments. I mean, you think about it. I don't mean bad moments personally. I mean, he's had to go through some some difficult losses. And we've never yes. seen that frustration come out the way it did. They've hosted five straight AFC championship games. They've mm-hmm. been to three Super Bowls. Well, they've lost two AFC Championship games at home. Yep. That is a difficult pill to swallow. He's done sure it twice. Is. They've lost a Super Bowl. That's a difficult pill to swallow. So he's been through this before. I just think that it was the culmination of everything they've been dealing with all year where they feel like no matter what he does, it can't fix. And, and you know what? I mean, it may have been misdirected too. Maybe in his heart he knows his anger is at number 19. Mm-hmm. And no matter what they do, no matter how hard they try to get through to him, Chris and I were talking about this yesterday, he can do the hard parts of the job and he screws up the easy parts of the job. And you get to a point where you just can't take it and you don't know what to do. And they know that they can't, you know, if they would direct that frustration at him, if Patrick Mahomes had gone after him in the locker room verbally, that he would just shut down. That he's just he's yeah. a he's a, a personality they have to be very careful with, and they're trying to groom him into becoming the next Tyreek Hill. They want so badly for him to be the next Tyreek Hill. He's the one they should be mad about. Show that image again, please. The blue line kind of makes us think it's okay. He is so grossly over, and the image that oh, someone sent yeah. to me from the All Twenty Two film yesterday makes it clear his foot, his lead foot is beyond the ball. There's two hash marks there, and the blue line from the broadcast, doesn't really let you see that. The photo we showed yesterday makes it more clear. And if we have that photo, too, we can show it to contrast. That lead foot, and there's the better view. His right foot, the toe is actually past the hash mark. The ball is behind the hash mark. And he's looking right at it. 
and the receiver at the top of the screen is lined up properly on the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. That player is on the line of scrimmage. That's how far over Kadarius Tony was. So there's no dispute. There's no debate. Dan Orlovsky made the point yesterday on ESPN's NFL Live, and they showed prior alignments in that game where Kadarius Tony was doing the same thing, although I don't think yeah. as badly. And it kind of enhances the argument that Andy Reid was trying to make. Like, at some point, you got to tell us if this guy's lining up offside. At some point, right. throw the flag. Don't throw it with a minute and change left. And that resonated with me, Miles, because that falls into this vague bucket of an official kind of lying in wait for an opportunity mm-hmm. to throw a wrench into a game. Like, I know Tony's going to line up 19, so he's going to line up over. So here's where I'm going to throw the flag, and they haven't thrown it all game. Like, why didn't you throw it earlier? Why do you choose to throw it in that moment as they're in a two-minute offense trying to take the lead late? That's what makes me a little uncomfortable because it underscores how much discretion these officials have because it's presented as, oh, well, oh, you throw that flag every time. Well, why didn't you throw it four times earlier in the game? That, to me, is the one thing. Even though he wasn't blatantly offside, as far as I could tell in the other – instances Orlovsky showed that to me was kind of like it feeds into what Reed was saying and it feeds into this idea that it really isn't black and white it isn't as black and white as you would think and you got at a minimum Kadarius Tony dance around in the gray all game long and nobody's saying mm-hmm. boo about it yes exactly and that, I agree with you it does enhance Andy Reid's point that usually there is a warning at some point. And he said, Andy Reid said, you know, when there is that warning, I take that very seriously. And then I go directly to the player and I'm like, hey, don't do that. You know, and that's usually the way the back and forth communication works. That was his point. And if Kadarius Tony has been lining up basically offside all game long and nobody told him to step the bleep back. And then at that one instance, you throw the flag. Yes, I understand why Andy Reid would be upset about that. And again, this is something that's basically not been called until this year when there's kind of the point of emphasis because of the the brotherly shove, tush, push, whatever you want to call it. That's part of it that goes into why are there so many more offensive offside calls. But yeah, I, I think the, the fact of the matter is, why can't Kadarius Tony line up right? when he's been in the NFL for more than one year. I mean, this is, as Patrick Mahomes said in his post-game press conference, this is elementary school stuff where you know how to line up, right? And you check with the yes. official, okay? And Kadarius Tony put his arm out there, but he didn't actually check with the official, right? It's like a rolling stop. He just kind of like did it to say, oh yeah, I'm going to be customary and kind of do this as we show the video right here. You can see how he puts his arm out and then he doesn't look to see, well, did the official tell me I'm on or not? And as you look at it here, it is extraordinarily clear. It is comically clear how far offside he is. I just, I don't understand how you can be in the NFL and not know where to line up. Uh, What are we doing here? How do you continue to play this guy if he can't get the basics right? I don't know, Mike. I, I just, I don't know. And think about this. Look, someone will have the time and the, and the will to go back and watch all the Chiefs games that Kadarius Tony has played and discern whether this is a, a common occurrence. Ongoing problem, but, but yeah. really, but, but really, when you have a head coach 
who is an offensive coach, when you have an offensive coordinator, when you have a receivers coach, when you have a quarterback's coach, when you have quality control, when you have defensive coaches. Like somebody at some point, didn't somebody notice the kids lining up? Like we got to get him in the right spot. We got to make sure he's in the right spot. And if he's that grossly offside in crunch time of a key game, there's got to be other times where he's been, you know, a little, a little loose with his alignment and nobody's said anything to him about it. Whether they're afraid to, because you never know what's going to set him off, I don't know. But the other part of it, too, and this is what makes it more glaring, and, and this is what feeds into, I think, the sense by Chiefs fans that there's a weird double standard out there. Look at what they let offensive linemen do. Peter King made this point last week when we were talking about the false start on the snap by Christian Kuntz of the Steelers on Thursday night. You know, Mm -hmm. the head moving up, and that's enough. When you see before the snap, the guards are turning their bodies around and pointing at the quarterback and talking to this guy when you're supposed to be in your stance. And the left tackles are lined up like they're in the backfield. Yeah. The left and the right tackles, and they leave a little bit early, and all that's fine. But this, oh no, no. But but the problem is he was, but but he was clearly offside. That's the yes. problem. He was clearly yes. offside. Let's hear a little bit from Andy Reid yesterday. We heard from Patrick Mahomes the day after. Andy Reid wasn't happy either the day of. Here's what he had to say the day after about what he had said on Sunday and his message to Kadarius Tony. I know what I said about the officials yesterday, or. Insinuated about the officials. Um, uh, listen, there are no, there are no excuses on this thing. But normally, normally it looks over to the sideline and just gets an okay. Um, and on that one, he just happened not to. So that would be the coaching point. Just make sure you check. Make sure you check with the guy on the on the side just to see if you're aligned. I mean, he's not lining up off sides on purpose. Um, and listen, he was two inches away from from or an inch from being legal no not maybe a foot or two not 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 an inch or two um but the coaching point see here's the thing about coaching points sometimes they come too late right right you you, you want you want to catch these things before they take a win off the board and who knows what the bills would have done with the ball but that was a hell of a moment that was gone. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, Patrick Mahomes suggested at one point on Sunday that the official, like the flag takes away this great moment. You saw the flag in the air on that video we showed. He didn't know the yes. outcome of the play when he threw yes. that flag. Exactly. He was clearly offside. And, and, and that whole perfunctory, I'm going to look over there, I'm going to put my hand up like, hey, am I okay? And he just turned away. He didn't even, he didn't wait for confirmation. You see his foot move a little bit like he's adjusting. But, yeah, he's clearly Again, the easy part of the job he can't do. The hard part of the job he can. The easy part of the job he can't do. And that is what has got to be so maddening for the Chiefs. As they try to to make him into the best player he can be, when you're doing this kind of stuff, you create your own impediments to whatever greatness you possibly can achieve. I, I don't know what you do, Mike. I mean, with that unreliable receiving core, as the Chiefs try to get through the rest of this season, look, it's not out of the question that Denver could possibly catch the Chiefs. I don't really think that that will happen, but it's not out of the question because the Chiefs receivers have let the Chiefs down time and time and time 
and time again. And this is who they are now, right? We are in the middle of December. So there's no real correction that you can do in terms of personnel at this point in the year. You can shift playing time, which is what they did on Sunday. You saw more Rashi Rice. You saw more Watson rather than, you know, MVS and Sky Moore. But at the same time, if the Chiefs are going to put together a second consecutive championship run, which I don't really think that they're going to be able to do, then they need players like Tony to step up and be consistent, right? You need players like Rice to step up, be consistent, don't fumble, you know? And I don't know how they're going to be able to get there. Maybe Mahomes needs to start directing some of that anger at those guys, right? You know, I I don't know if that's going to help or not, but at a certain point, the coddling that they've been doing publicly, it's not working, you know? And I don't know, and I also don't know what's going on behind the scenes, right? Because maybe he is yelling, I don't know. But something's got to change there, and they have to change it quickly because right now, this is not a team that looks like they can make a deep run into January. I don't know if they can get a January win right now. Well, they may have to go on the road divisional round. They may have to go on the road wild card round because they've got the Denver Broncos who started the season one and five, one game behind the Kansas City Chiefs with four games to play. And the Chiefs need to get this figured out quickly because it just feels like, yeah, well, it's clearly a different year than they've ever had. And it feels like it could get worse instead of better. We'll take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Justin. Yeah, he's going to see a couple hand specialists today, one this morning and one this afternoon, uh, and then we'll know more from them. All of our focus has got to be on his future. So, um, and certainly, uh, there's nothing more important than that than his right hand and, and his long term future. He's 25 years old and he's got a, a really, really bright future in front of him. So, like I said, every, every decision that we make is going to be with that in mind. Brandon Staley, didn't tell anybody to stop asking about Justin Herbert, but that's probably coming soon. Justin Herbert with the finger injury on his throwing hand. He played through the finger injury on his non-throwing hand for weeks. Now has the broken finger, surgery Tuesday. They play Thursday night, a couple of 5-8 and eight teams in the AFC West, battling for the basement of that division. Easton Stick is likely to start at quarterback for the Chargers. The Chargers won a game 6-0 not that long ago with their starting quarterback playing. The Raiders lost a game 3-0 on Sunday. Thursday night, oof. Hope you enjoyed last night. I don't know what to tell you about Thursday night. I don't know who knows. Who knows? I mean, you know, get a couple of bad teams together, maybe you get a good football game out of it. Uh, Raiders and Chargers get together. You never know uh, what what can happen, especially given what those two teams have been through over the course of this year. I mean, that tone that Brandon Staley was striking there at the when we came back, we heard the sound from him. That is certainly a different tone than he had a few weeks ago. You know, Dylan Hernandez of the Los Angeles Times wrote this in the column this week. You know, it's like that that Brandon Staley has gone from defiant to a little bit defeated. And I think you kind of heard that in the tone as he was talking about Justin Herbert. Yeah, and who knows what the Chargers are going to do after the season because these are all ownership decisions. And you could have fired Brandon Staley easily last year after the huge lead that was blown to the Jaguars in the wild card round. That didn't happen. At some point, though, 
when you've made the huge investment in Justin Herbert, who has a streak of 62 straight starts that likely will end. The longest streak currently in the NFL is 84, held by Bills quarterback Josh Allen. When you've made that investment, when you've made Justin Herbert one of the highest-paid quarterbacks in football, at some point you got to give him more around him. You're not going to fire him. you got to make a change at coach. You need an offensive coach who's going to be joined at the hip with Justin Herbert and carry him through the next 10 years of his career or longer and become the team that the Chargers have been trying to be. As I have said recently, they are the best dysfunctional franchise in the NFL. In the dysfunctional franchise power rankings, they're number one if one is good. But they are dysfunctional. And they're somewhat competitive despite their dysfunction. But this year it's inexcusable that they aren't better than 5-8. and eight. When they have Justin Herbert, who's been healthy enough to play all year until now, and you've got all these teams with quarterback issues in the AFC, how are you not taking advantage of the absence of of quarterbacks on these other teams? How are they winning games with backup quarterbacks? And how are you in a position where you're not winning more games with one of the highest paid players in all of football? It, it just shines a light on Staley, and maybe he's starting to accept the fact that it's all coming to an end because it's going to be even harder to win games if you don't have Justin Herbert. If you're struggling to win with this guy and all of a sudden he's gone, good luck winning another game down the stretch. Yeah, exactly. It has kind of defied logic. Why hasn't Justin Herbert been better? He's supposed to be better this year with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator. None of that has really come to fruition. That's been one of the most surprising elements to me of this 2023 football season. Yep. Well, uh, we'll see what happens Thursday night for the Chargers and the Raiders. We'll take a break and we'll have more PFT Live right after this. On Thursday night, T.J. Watt took a knee to the face with the protection of a face mask on the first play from scrimmage in the game against the Patriots. Ezekiel Elliott rattled and rocked T.J. Watt, and there was some discussion during the game about his overall status. He was checked on the sideline. At one point, he was in the tent with the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant, and then a tent advisor was placed on T.J. Watt, which caused many to think he's experiencing light sensitivity, which is a concussion symptom. In the ensuing days, Watt, who finished the game, placed in the concussion protocol, the NFL declining to answer any questions about whether and to what extent Watt was checked for a concussion during the game, why he was put in the visor. And against that background, Mike Tomlin had his weekly press conference on Monday in advance of Saturday's game against the Colts. He was asked a couple of questions about Watt. Here's what Tomlin had to say. I assume that he was, but again, you know, I'm, I'm managing the game. I, I leave that to the medical experts. Um, they essentially tell me whether someone is, is out, whether they're subject to return or whether they're back. Um, I got a report that he was subject to return, and then I got a report that he was back, and that was just you know, my knowledge of the details of what transpired with him during the time that he was out in game. TJ came back in. He was wearing a dark visor. And a lot of fans have made a big issue about this because he's in concussion protocol. Is that What would be the reason for switching to a... I, I wasn't aware of that, to be honest with you. So I don't I don't have a response to that. I wasn't aware that, that he changed visors or... He normally wears a visor. You mean the tint of his visor was different? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that. Okay. I didn't set it up properly. The question that he answered initially was w- w- whether Watt was checked for a concussion during the game. And, and Tomlin said 
he assumed that he was. Those comments from Tomlin would have made sense Thursday night or even Friday morning. But Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and half a day on Monday, he does his press conferences around noon, usually Tuesday, this week Monday because they play Saturday. I don't understand, and I'm a big fan of discerning organizational dynamics, the way human beings interact in a workplace, and we've all been in a workplace in some form or fashion, or even if you're in a school setting, the way people communicate, what's the hot topic, what are people talking about? I find it very hard to believe, and I'm not saying Mike Tomlin's lying. I'm just saying in my own experience, I find it very hard to believe Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and half a Monday, it never lands on his radar screen in any discussion with anyone that there's a, a mini controversy about T.J. Watt. I know all about ball and we're focusing on the next game, but how is there not a moment at some point during the course of the day? These coaches are not constantly sitting there watching film. They're not constantly immersed in the nuances of the X's and O's of football. They are humans like the rest of us. How... I want to know how. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm, assu- I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say it happened. How? How was there no natural curiosity? Hey, well, wait, TJ's in the concussion protocol Friday. What did you guys do to make sure he was good to play? Is there a chance we let a guy get back into the game who shouldn't have been in the game? That's alarming, or at least it should be, to an NFL head coach. Not something like, well, I assume they did. Well, I assume they did. Well, you've had three days to find out. You either care that they did or didn't, or you don't. That response suggests to me he just doesn't care. He's, and it's beyond just deferring to the medical experts. At some point, your natural curiosity has to take over. Are we doing enough to take care of our players? It's not, well, I just assume they took care of it. We have an outcome that should spark the curiosity. Hang on a second. Wait a minute. You're telling me, you're telling me that if it's good to finish the game, but then... He's in the concussion protocol. I need to know more about that. Same thing as the visor. How's he not aware, Miles? Everybody, of of all the people who have a 412 area code on their phone, he's probably the only one that didn't know T.J. Watt switched to a tinted visor. By Monday, you would think that he would have known that in some form or fashion between somebody prepping him for the press conference or, you know, his own natural curiosity and that's the kind of thing that where I'm, I'm, I'm listening to that and I'm watching it as I did yesterday. And it's kind of like, wait a minute, what you didn't know that until now. Um, but you know, during the game, it is the job of the unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant to clear or not clear the player. So that I think is where I question, well, what was he checked for? Because that time Mike Tomlin's being the head coach, right? All he needs to know is up or down. And as he says, explain, that's what they tell him. So that I, I agree with you where, how do you not know that at that point, by the time you're doing that press conference, that that is a little curious. Right. To me. Cause you're the one who's in charge of everything that's happening out there. Ultimately you defer to people in the moment, but afterward you have curiosity and you gather information and how, yeah. how between Thursday night and Monday afternoon, what would be a pretty important subject is just something that wasn't even, apparently considered. All right, we're going to take a break. More PFT Live right after this. Congratulations, San Francisco 49ers. With last night's loss by the Green Bay Packers, the Niners have clinched a playoff 
birth. As if there was any doubt that the far and away best team in football wasn't going to make it. But they have that going for them, which is nice. Miles. Oh, yeah. I've never seen that movie, but I do get that reference. You know what's interesting? And Kyle Shannon talked about being focused on the number one overall seed. I think that San Francisco should be able to do that. Right? I mean, they already have tiebreakers over the Eagles and the Cowboys, who really are the only other contenders right now, especially based on how Detroit's playing. You go at Arizona versus Baltimore, at Washington, and then versus the Rams, who they've dominated. I mean, this is something that I think the Niners are going to be able to wrap up. Yeah, we were talking about the hierarchy of the NFL right now. There are three teams that I just view as afterthoughts, Cardinals, Commanders, and Panthers, and two of the final four games for the 49ers against two of the afterthought teams in the NFL that just aren't in a position to be competitive. And, yeah, hey, maybe they'll muster some will after watching last night's game. See, we can go out and try to play hard, too. They're still The 49ers are steamrolling everyone. If you're steamrolling yeah. the great teams, Eagles, Cowboys outscored by a combined margin, 84-29. You're – you're you're not going to let your foot off the gas against the, the 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 lesser teams. The only thing is, every game, every rep, every play, is another possibility that you're going to lose a guy that's going to to take some of that luster away from how good the 49ers are. But they're in great shape, and I fully expect them to get to the Super Bowl, barring I don't want to call it unforeseen complication because it it's kind of. <laughs> We kind of know it could happen. It's not some crazy right. lightning bolt. There's a possibility they're going to lose a couple of guys to injury as they fight for that extra blade of grass that's going to make them a different team. But if that doesn't happen, I don't know how they don't get to the Super Bowl and win it. Is Brock Purdy your MVP? I'll just throw that in there. Let's, let's, let's have that conversation another day because we've texted about that. Somebody from the 49ers gets the MVP vote, but I'm struggling yeah. with whether it's if they're the one seed. Is it Purdy? Is it Debo Samuel? You said earlier about how different they are when Debo Samuel plays. Is it Christian right. McCaffrey? Is it Sims and I talked about this yesterday? Is it Trent Williams? Not yeah. that an offensive lineman is ever going to get an MVP vote, but right. they were a very different team when Trent Williams wasn't playing. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a tough one. We still got four. Thankfully, we got four weeks until we have to make a decision. Let's take a break. Yeah. PFT yeah. Live right after this. The Minnesota Vikings travel to Cincinnati to take on former Viking Jake Browning and the Bengals on Saturday. Justin Jefferson, who took a wicked shot to the midsection, clean, legal, but potent hit to the midsection on Sunday against the Raiders, has a good chance to play Saturday, according to head coach Kevin O'Connell. Makes a big difference if they could get, and I think Nick Mullins, who has full control of the offense, and I think he will be the starter. They haven't named him yet. I think he will be the starter. Josh Dobbs. The magic is gone. Nick Mullins time. You get the ball to Justin Jefferson repeatedly. The Vikings have a chance to turn this seven and six into a playoff berth, Miles. They do, but also the Bengals have been playing pretty well over the last couple of games with Jake Brown. I mean, this is a non-conference game, but it is still very important for both of these teams as they try to continue in the wild card race. So I'm looking forward to seeing this one this weekend. Vikings were just there week one of 20. 21 lost the game in overtime that was the year that ended up with the Bengals making it to the Super Bowl and it also ended up with Mike Zimmer being fired by the Vikings but they go back to Cincinnati on Saturday great triple header on Saturday I wish Amen. I didn't have to travel on Saturday you got Vikings Bengals you got Steelers Colts 
and you got Broncos Lions. Are you kidding me? I'm going to be fully engaged with my phone as much as I can. The only problem is when the plane's in the air, it's kind of hard to get the games. Yeah, well, at least it's not a long flight, right? You know, you can get down and then, you know, into New York and then where you need to be in Connecticut, and then you can really settle in. You'll probably be there by the primetime game, right? Yes, and that, hey, can the Lions get their footing back? And the Lions and Vikings play twice in the final three weeks. If the Vikings win the last four games, they win the NFC North. That's how crazy things have gotten in this year's National Football League. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. Have a spectacular Tuesday. See you again tomorrow morning. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.